is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patreon. on the fringe all right good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you are in the world my name is josh and welcome to the red pill project's conversations on the fringe live with you every friday night 9 30 p.m eastern standard time this is where we go beyond the norms of everyday conversation we get outside of the politics and we talk about those conversations that just need to be have typically reserved for campfires or just private conversation but tonight we are having it here on the fringe and we have some guests with us if you're on the social red pill you probably recognize some of these people we have nathaniel's barbershop we have summer we have yay and then always welcome back uh the great guest laura lee scaife there over there and uh laura lee i just been talking so well about you lately and just oh bless you (laughs) i i mean i i just what you do is just absolutely unbelievable and I know for you, it's like, it's nothing, you know, it's just like, like reading a book, but it, it does have this aspect of intuitiveness to it and inquisitiveness mm-hmm. and, and just how you put those things together. So just thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're going to have a great conversation. We're going to be talking about the call of duty above and beyond. And this is a, a show, if you haven't figured that out, about spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And we got all of our spiritual warriors here today and uh, leading the conversation, because <clears throat> that was the only way that I could actually get her on, is uh, <laughs> Yay. Yay, how you doing? I'm doing really well. How about you? I'm doing well. well why don't you uh, start it off and uh, 
tell us a little bit about what what's on your mind. Yep. Well, yay, dropped her off. <laughs> okay. Well, yay, probably just disconnected. She hit the wrong button. That's okay. She'll be back. Well, tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about the spiritual awakening. We're going to be talking about the great awakening. And, and I've been talking about this topic a lot lately, specifically on the shows. And there's a reason behind why I've been talking about the great awakening. And I think that is because there's a lot of information coming out about the great awakening, what is happening in the world, these types of things. And I, I tend to um, have hypercritical analysis towards a lot of people's perspectives on what they believe this to be, whether it's the second coming of Christ, whether it's um, it's a conscious awakening. Yay, we can hear you. Can you hear us? We're going to try to get the technical difficulties with yay resolved. Yeah, if you can hear me, just go ahead and say yes. All right, there we go. So we'll get her back in. But primarily is I have a perspective on the Great Awakening. This is something that I've been involved in for a very long time since uh, the, the 1990s, to say, in, in the sense that uh, I think that this has been coming and coming about. And so I've seen it kind of evolve over the last few decades. And when I see a lot of content being produced on it, how it's either this or how it's that, I, I like to kind of analyze that. But if we look at the warfare that is being generated, the information warfare, the disinformation, the propaganda, the psychological warfare, how it's specifically being targeted towards people, we begin to see deeper down the rabbit hole of what the Great Awakening is actually about. And this is about the individual. And then the individual comes together as a collective. And this is where the battle wounds begin to occur and this is why we're seeing the degradation and the chaos within society today uh yay do we have you back i think so all right there you I are great so. great well you're the mastermind behind okay, tonight's show like you're the mastermind so why don't you go ahead and give us your thoughts on on this show that we're doing tonight Okay, well, I didn't hear a word anybody said for that couple of minutes. I crashed That's and fine. burned, so I'll just start. Okay, um, first of all, we know that there is something going on. We sense the urgency of the moment. We know that there are issues with world governments, with medical tyranny, with um, financial crunches, uh, social engineering, cultural chaos, wars, all these kind of things. Well, all these things uh, are breaking chaos into our reality. And chaos is dissonance or discord. And I'm trying to find out, have this conversation, is there a way for us to bring balance or resonance back into our reality? Okay. I mean, you know, should we continue to let them, whoever them are, uh, set the tone of chaos? Or do we set it into a resonant balance? And if so, how do we do that? And so I tried to get a group together tonight that represented uh, the people that are looking for this answers to this connection to the collective consciousness to spirituality things like that so regard well we lost her again oh my goodness 
Well, I, I think I get the gist of what Ye is talking about there, so we'll we'll kind of cover for her until she comes back in. But this is something that I've had in private conversation with a lot of different people. Is is there something that we can do together as a society, as a whole, as a group, to produce the vibrational effects, the energetic, the subtle energy effects, the the conscious effects that undo the chaos that is ensuing or is the chaos meant to happen and now i'm a firm believer that the chaos is meant to happen laura lee i i, I yeah. want to ask you that what is your thought on that i agree mm -hmm. that new order always emerges from chaos so the balance of of habit and novelty order and chaos is the realm of existence it's how life works mm -hmm. and every time a chaotic uh, dynamic presents itself and it runs its course just like a, as a wave rises up and that foamy part at the crest of the wave is the chaos phase of the wave and then as the wave crashes on the beach it goes back into the ocean and becomes coherent again it, but every time we go through a chaos phase, there is new information, and that information is then integrated into the new coherence, which is of a higher order of coherence and complexity, and that's how everything really evolves. Well, like she a just fractal. Yeah, she just explained optimization theory. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, uh-huh, yes. I know your optimization theory is d definitely along those lines. And, and I agree with the optimization theory because it relates to, uh, you know, the creation of anything. You see that all throughout nature. I guess mm -hmm. my question is, what is our responsibility? What is our duty? If chaos is supposed to occur, then do we let it? have its way and its will? Do we fight against it? Do we uh, buck against the dying of the light? I mean, what is our responsibility? Do we have a responsibility to inspire people spiritually so that the uh, crashing waves are less devastating? Do we let the chips fall where they may? What What is our She, she must have, like, beholding the connection like this and just keeps on dropping it. Well, well, Nate, I, I want to throw this to you. Is Ladies first. Let the ladies go first. Okay, okay. Well, then, then Summer, I want to throw this to you. Is in, in With the ensuing chaos, which I do agree is something that we have to endure, what would be the methodology then in going through it? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, to me... Like everybody here is saying, yes, chaos is something that has to happen. And I've always had this question of how much of our own reality is actually within our control. Because as far as like your mental construct, there is a great deal of it that is within your own control. But there are also things outside of you, cosmo you know, cosmologically, on a grander scale that are, that are not within your control. And it is, like Laura Lee was saying, this wave, I mean, the, you know, individually all the way out to the universe we all have this natural rhythm of up and down in this ebb and flow. And when the chaos hits, my perspective is that you as an individual have to learn how to 
in a sense, control that chaos, control your emotions and control your thoughts. And if you can get yourself to that point to where you are essentially like the Buddhists call it walking that middle path, right? I like, I truly find that that is the way in which you control that chaos that is bound to happen. And if we can do that on an individual scale and become in a sense, masters of that individually, then not only are we setting the example for other people around us, other people in our lives, our friends, our families, people we may run into at the store, on the street, whatever, um, but that's going to have a ripple effect, right? Because the more individuals that do this work and and have this understanding about their own selves and how their emotions and their mental thoughts work, that's going to ripple out into the rest of society. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, that is really the only way that the greatest change is going to occur is starting individually and working its way out. And as far as like other people awakening, we all know here that there's not a whole lot you can do as far as affecting other people, because we all have that own individual choice and you cannot affect somebody else's choice. That's their responsibility and that's their choosing. So all we can do is let that ripple effect happen, plant that seed within them and just hope for the best and, well, and know, that, know that better things are going to come because the chaos is not always going to be there. Eventually it's going to lift. Well and, and said. And that's part of what I'm trying to get at here, because I mean, most of us, we look at life from our own perspective. Well, actually, that's probably the only way that you can look at life is from your own perspective, from your own experiences. And we have a group of people here who have various uh, backgrounds, whether it's uh, financially or uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And often we think, you know, our only responsibility, our call of duty is to vote or to provide for our family. We, we focus on the physical and there are so many aspects, so many dimensions to the human psyche. Again, and I'm just going to list these is the physical, the mental, the emotional, the financial and the spiritual. And there are those that are that do consider themselves awake or awoken or whatever words you want to use, part of the um, higher consciousness or collective consciousness. And they don't focus on the, uh, the financial or the, uh, they don't focus on the spiritual or they don't focus on the mental. I mean, we all know that in today's day and age, there are so many people walking around with PTSD that have not been in a war. And yet, yeah. would you deny that we are not in a spiritual war? Well, well, some of them, you know, walked into a doorway in their right. grandma's their basement, grandma's and, basement. And, you know, and voted Biden. That that's why they uh they have PTSD. But you know, there's a lot of people out there that have had social trauma, they have had cultural trauma, yes. they have had trauma through indoctrination and psychological warfare, and, and that is something that needs to be addressed. But I, I'd like to kind of touch on. The, the question that we've been kind of into here. Um, I'm missing a lot of this. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. Absolutely. We're actually answering the question that you posed in the sense of chaos of what are the um, interactions. I like the word interactions instead of reactions. And that's going to be kind of the point here. Um, the interactions with chaos. And I think that that's a better perspective to look at it with because Naturally, we're going to have things that are going to happen cosmologically, like Summer said. We're going to have things that happen on this planet. We're going to have things that 
that occur that are outside of our control. And that's going to produce the ripples of chaos within our lives and affect us in some way, shape, or form. And the only thing that we really have is to control how we react. Whether we react not, Mm -hmm. or how do we react? Do we take the chaotic situation and look at the beauty of organization of intelligence and structure that is formulated out of it and help to to create the new design from the chaos that ensued? Do we react emotionally and we get mad and angry, rise up, revolt, and end up dead? Right, right. So there's there's a lot of factors at play here. But if I went through the hermetic perspective, if I looked at it from a natural law perspective, is I want to rise up above that that vibrational energy that is ensuing through chaos and i want to look at it with that forty thousand foot view i want to see it for what it truly is and i want to see that that chaos is producing just like laura lee said something new something beautiful something structured something more intelligent but see that structure that intelligence that something new that emergent phenomena that occurs through that process of disorganization of reorganization that is molded by mind. That is molded by, if you want to call it this, the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times, right? Mm-hmm. So it is how we interact with that chaos that produces that chaos's new fractal pattern and structure of how it is going to evolve to become what it becomes. Uh, it, if people listen to the Daily Dose. This is something I say all the time, but I see it in a much different way, is that there's going to come a point in time a vulnerability for both sides to where this transition of the world, this fourth turning occurs to where there's a vulnerability for all the globalists, all the elites, all the politicians, and as well as all of us. And it is at that point in time that we must be ready for, that we must interject ourselves and interact with the chaos that's ensuing, but in a positive manner of what we, we, we want to create within the world. And this is mental, this is emotional, this is spiritual. But this is also being there for people, organizing people. This is also making sure that people are well-fed, that that people can survive, that people are defended, that the vulnerable, the sick, and the needy are taken care of. This is not going and getting your firearm and going and joining a revolution only to end up dead. This is going out there and creating the new systems that this chaos is going to need to thrive, to blossom, and to grow as it blossoms out of chaos i guess and and that's kind of where i'm trying to get at is there are so many different um aspects of this war that we are involved in i mean if you take the physical let's say trump he built a border wall and he said these are the boundaries thus far and no more you go to israel they built the iron dome do we have a responsibility to create or construct borders or boundaries or a type of iron dome force field within our own um, community, our own family? Are we um, obligated? What is our responsibility? Do we go above and beyond us for and no more? Do we, like you were saying, feed others, help others do these things? And if so, what is the boundary, the cutoff point that says this far and no more? 
Well, I, I, I can take that if, if nobody wants to interject there. Um, you know, the boundary is, is, is self-derived. I mean, how much can you contribute to the world at this point in time? You know, for instance, my, my methodology of, of helping the world right now is, is having a platform to go out there to express my voice, to, to share the little bit of knowledge that I have about the world and, and potentially how the world works, uh, my knowledge on my research that I've done throughout my life. And I found that that has considerable benefit to people out there and has helped them through very, very hard times. And sometimes that's, as one human being, that's, that's all you can do. That is the boundaries. Uh, that is the limitations of your extent. For other people, it, What would you say? Nate? I'm sorry, what? What would you say to that, to boundaries, to borders, to a force field or an iron dome? What is the... Um, what do you consider the self-derived boundary for yourself and your community? I have a very strong opinion about that. As far <laughs> as, You're here. But, <laughs> right. I mean, I believe that we, we do need to help the people that are in need. I definitely agree with that. There's, there's, there's no reason why we should have poor people, and given you know trillions of dollars to Ukraine and have the poverty problems that we have. There, there, there is a, a point where you got to prioritize what is within your bubble, and in, in our case, it's going to be our country. And I think when we have a situation where we have chaos, like in the streets, killing people, we need to prioritize our country and the people in it so that it's uh, a prospering place for other people to come. And then we can worry about keeping peace in, in, in other places of the world. As far as I'm concerned, though, when we have jurisdictional uh, boundaries to which we are subjected to, I don't really feel like it's our duty to protect the world unless we are doing what it is that we need to do first. You know, mm -hmm. I think everybody's got their own problems and therefore they are subjected to, to dealing with those situations in their jurisdiction. And when we try to play God, when we try to oversee these things, what is good for America might not be good for them. And then we try to intercede our belief systems and our compassing on something else that's probably not aligned with ours, which is what you're kind of seeing right now with the divide and conquer thing. Um, I just feel like in order for us to have world peace, we have to have peace in our own country first. <clears throat> Mm. And peace in ourselves. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so, Very important aspect there is peace within ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and Summer and Summer used the word mass mastery master that we the, our resp first responsibility is to master our own right. realm that is inner realm first then your personal realm of experience and power your own home your 
immediate loved ones, family, friends, whatever, and the community within which you live. There you, you know, buy your groceries or the farmers at the farm stand or whatever it is. And then from there, we can start to think about strategies for the larger uh, system. Um, and that's what I'm trying to get at, Laura Lee, is that we are so often focused on ourselves, on our group or our little community or whatever it is, and even to some extent on, you know, if you're a United States citizen on the United States or if you're a Canadian citizen or whatever country you live in. And those are all um, mostly physical uh, aspects and physical activities. And I'm trying to see how can we, each of us individually and collectively, inspire each other to see that this is not just a uh, physical uh, war, it is a spiritual war. What can sure. we do to inspire others and to see that this is a spiritual battle and we have accountability and responsibility for things other than just our own. So what you're saying there, yay, is oh, she <laughs> yeah. popped out again. Dang. Well, it, she, so she's basically talking about the potato monkey thing, right? Where the, the one monkey out of the sand on the, on the potato. So she went in and started washing their potato off in the water. And the rest of the monkey saw her doing it. And they're sub they were on this little island. And before you know it, their subjected consciousness had basically sent their knowledge to another island where their monkey started washing their potatoes and stuff too. So I think what she's trying to get at is if we collectively conscious come together in our little bubble first, our bubble can grow bigger and bigger because of the energy that we're putting off. And it has to start in the certain bubble that we're in, obviously, right? Like I said, if we have to take care of our own first before we can take care of other people, therefore our energy will be better. If everybody's got an appreciation and a love, then that's the highest vibration you can get in the universe as far as we've been told. So, how how are you going to raise that energy and that vibration is is to is to give um love and and stuff for people to feel gratitude and, and be thankful of and then that will start to grow and the more we can help people in those situations in our area the better it'll be to grow into other countries we can spread that love and <clears throat> once we get our stuff together but i feel like when we're looking into other countries right now and so on and so forth, we feel helpless because we can't help them. We are way over here praying for them like, you know, we wish them the best and, and hope that everything's going to be all right. But in all honesty, we're, we're helpless to help them. The people that are having the power to do so are using our money for other means. And so therefore, our we are therefore helpless after that you know we we expect the people that we give our money to to do the right thing with it and they don't do that and so now we are subjected to try to find a different means of helping everybody around us collectively in our you know yeah. 
you know, I, 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 I agree with you, Nate. And uh, the, the monkey potato, I was confused at first, but then I understood what you're talking about. I call it the Bannister effect. And so Roger Bannister in the 1950s went to the Olympics and he was the first human being that we have on record to break the four minute mile. And before this time, they said it was impossible. It's never going to happen that, you know, people will have a heart attack. If they try to break a four minute mile. It just wasn't physically possible for the human body. But after Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile within the first year, over 20,000 people broke the four minute mile and it spread like wildfire and millions of people to this day have broken the four minute mile. Now, what was that is that the possibility that it can happen was right. introduced into the human consciousness, into the human yeah. psyche. And I like to look at things in the sense of the human psyche um, is a, a grand reflection of kind of the word I, I mentioned before, the zeitgeist, the German word that means the spirit of our times. Kind of if we have a, a physical culture that manifests, we also have a spiritual culture that would be called the zeitgeist. Right. And that this spiritual culture that is manifest in this world right now is in turmoil within chaos. And so I understand what Ye is saying. I understand what you're saying. But the one thing that I like to look at is that, and someone just said it, is you have to take care of your own house before you go help your neighbors through the storm. And that we have to get right with ourselves. We have to look within ourselves. We, you know, I, I say this a lot is that you have to know yourself before you can ever know somebody else. Right. You have yeah. to. What was that? I'd like to sneak something in there if you don't mind. Okay. okay. Now you talk about the optimization theory. You talk about fractals and about crystals. Well, there's only uh, one thing on this planet that I am aware of, and I could be totally wrong, that has three states of existence, which goes along with the concept of um, uh, the two become something else. It becomes a third state. You have water, which is a liquid, a solid, and a gas. Or and, a, and a gel-like there's yeah. the fourth phase of water so well, water actually has four phases that's even better but um crystals mm -hmm. can get malformed now we're created with dna we are an electrical charge and we have within us a lot of water which is crystals and these crystals get malformed and then they replicate in a malformed condition and they need to be recreated realigned resonated to a non dissonance frequency in order for the uh, propagation of healthy crystals, healthy fractals, healthy whatever we're going to call them. So again, I want, I'm looking for a relationship that we can utilize spiritually that will get us closer to where we want to go we know i think we know i think we would all agree that not everyone that exists on this planet today is going to make it till tomorrow whatever day that is there are some that will not make it for whatever reasons that's irrelevant but if our goal is to optimize ourselves if our goal is to create something new to birth forth that new place that is a higher realm of existence a higher consciousness a higher understanding whatever your religion is whatever your politics is whatever your status is physically mentally emotionally financially spiritually whatever it is if you want to raise that up 
how do we learn to resonate at at that higher frequency outside of space and time that brings balance and resonance so so yeah that's what i was just talking about is that the, the collective is a representation of all the individuals and the coalescing of the individual and that's and so why you're it, all here. Right. But that, that's the thing is if people don't do the great work, if they don't do the work with inside them, <laughs> if the people don't do the work inside themselves, then that can never be reflected within the collective. That can never be reflected within the archetypical psyche. It can't be reflected right. in the whole. It's something that we have to do individually. And I'm going to repeat this when Ye comes in. So Ye, I, I will kind of repeat what I was just saying there. Is that the collective is a representation of the coalescing of all individuals involved with it. <clears throat> and so what you're saying is how do we get the collective, how do we get everybody on that same page to produce the future we want? And the, or everybody the key, that wants to be. Everybody that right, wants Right, right. But here, here's the key is you have to do it individually. You, you have to go with inside yourself individually. You have to grow and evolve individually. You have to master those four states of body that we talked about. We have, well, I look at it four states of body and I, and I say it like this is there's actually six bodies that I'd look at in the representation form, but I call them like this is that you have your physical, you have your emotional, you have your mental and you have your spiritual. Your spiritual can be, uh, has a dualistic form for each one of those, but we'll just call it the spiritual. And so I look at the four primary bodies. And you have a various level of development within each one of those. Your physical body, you have an understanding, a learning, a, a, a connection, a connectivity to that physical body. Your emotional body, we all have a level of emotional intelligence of development within our own self. Our mental body, we have a level of intellect that we develop throughout our life. And then the spiritual understanding, we have a level of that as well. And those are the things that allow us to know and produce relationship with other people. I cannot know you as well better than I know myself. I can only know you how I know myself because you, when you interact with me, are a reflection of my inner state, which means that if I want to see this beautiful world manifest and I want the, the, the people of this world to begin to understand how this great awakening can turn into something beautiful and positive, that work begins with me. That work begins internally to myself to where I have to right. evolve and develop that stuff within myself and see my external reality as a reflection of my internal reality. And so I have to recreate or create that internal reality of the world I wish to see externally. And that has to be done by everybody. And, and this is what I was talking about in the beginning with the Great Awakening. The Great Awakening is not something that has happened collectively. It's individually, and, and I know Laura Lee can contest to this, that what's happening right now on this planet is it's not that the, the evil people and the evildoers and the globalists, all their secrets are just manif- you know coming to the surface and we're just seeing them and exposing them. It's everybody. It's every individual right. on this planet. All the shit from the closet right. is rising up to the surface and people are dealing with it. This is where the chaos actually ensues. And it's through that work of moving through it, of resolve, of forgiveness, that we grow, we develop, we evolve. And this adds into that collective perspective, which brings about the world of change. Well, it seems to me that 
the pillar of truth, if we can call it that, or a ladder of ascent, or the increase of vibration, or resonance. She must be hitting some button. <laughs> you know what might be helpful? It would be helpful to me mm -hmm. um, to have a um, clearer, maybe, definition of what spiritual means. Mm. It's such a nebulous word, and it's thrown around all over the place to the point where it doesn't really mean anything. I, I like so that. Maybe word. we could have a definition, you know, just a working definition for what that actually well, means. Can, can we start with you on that definition and you give us your definition and then we can kind of go uh, round robin? Oh, all right. Well, um, because my work comes in more through the psychological. So when I'm thinking of that which is spiritual, I'm thinking of that which is in the realm of the unformed or what would be called the unconscious and that the work the personal inner work is to bring what is unconscious into consciousness and that that the act of doing that is what moves us further along in our own development our own psychological maturity and our own personal development and then as we continue to do that because it never ends it's not like you you get get it all together <laughs> and then you don't have to worry about it anymore it's a constant uh, polishing the gem or or sharpening the blade and then you become a role model for others and that's what I think of as kingship and queenship that one should and seek to rise to one's highest potential. In a man, that's kingship. In a woman, that's queenship. And then you, you are a role model. You, the way you live, the way you engage with other people, that becomes your way of creating your larger realm because you are a role model model and an inspirer of others inspiration yeah okay uh nathaniel what would be your definition of spiritual well i'm still on that journey but um uh you know the connection with god the ether you know, the I think what Jesus was trying to get people on the same path of, I think there is a spiritual connection that he was trying to show people. And I, I believe it's very real. I believe it's very real. I think that they have occulted it from us to be able to connect with each other because they like that energy for themselves. And um, I think we're starting to come upon this and, and we're starting to realize that our collective consciousness is why we're always angry. It's why we're always frustrated because the collective consciousness is angry and frustrated. And I think once we start to raise that collective consciousness, you'll feel this relief of, of all that burden off your shoulders as soon as everybody's collective consciousness peeks back into that golden age 
-hmm. And I think what we need to see is we need to see bad people get punished for doing bad things. And you will see the morale of everybody on this planet raise right now. I'm telling okay. you, everybody on this planet will be singing Kumbaya. Well, I don't know if everybody on the planet, but a lot of people, well, the vast majority. The majority of us will because we outnumber them. If you really want to know the truth, we probably outnumber them more than three to one, if not. Well, I, I, well, I guarantee it would be like ten to one. Way more. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's even better, right? So you guys okay. so. Well, I, I wanted to stay on the, the definition of, of spirituality because uh, Laura Lee wanted us right. to define that for everybody. So uh, I'll come back to you, Nate, on those points. Summer, what would be right. your definition of spirituality? Squirrel. So spirituality for me is just, I see it just merely as a means of, of connection. Connecting to something that is beyond all of your senses, right? Like And like Laura Lee said, the unconscious, subconscious realms whether you access that through your own means, through meditation or whatever kind of spiritual practice you may have, or whether that's sought out through a religious form, um, that really, I don't think matters. What matters is like you always say, how, what is left when you strip away all the senses, right? What do you have left? You have unbridled consciousness. That is what spirituality is to me is connecting with that aspect, connecting with that consciousness awesome. that there's nothing else left. And yay, what would be your definition of spirituality? First, let me apologize because I'm on my phone and I'm getting a new one next week and this one is just dying every 20 seconds. Oh, okay. sorry. Is, is, what is spiritual or spirituality? Yeah, what me? would be your definition of spirituality? It's our uh, relationship to our higher selves, to God as we understand him, um, to this world and the creation that we observe and experience within it. And the, uh, ah! her phone. So her phone keeps dying. Um, we'll, we'll get yay's response. We'll let her, let her, let her charge her phone. Um, and I'll give my definition, which is just my self-evident truth. It's not, doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's correct, but this is my understanding of what spirituality is. Um, as Jay was saying, and, and, and oh, Jay's back. Well, let's see if she can. Okay, Jay. All right. If you need to charge the phone for a minute, that's okay. Uh, but go ahead and, and go ahead and finish there. The phone's charged. It's it's, oh. it's stupid. Okay. Um, our uh, let's see, where was I? Our relationship to this world and creation, our relationship to the next world, and other dimensions, which we are already currently a part of, but don't recognize the experience. Okay. Um, now, I, I would kind of go towards what, what Summer was saying, If is, is if I removed all my senses, if I removed all the aspect of my physicality, the, the filters of my mind, what is left? And I have unbridled consciousness. Now, I, I look at the entire universe as a conscious entity, conscious being, because... It's only through relationship and observation does anything have the ability to form and manifest. We saw this in the um, <clears throat> the quantum entanglement uh, Nobel Prize that was just won, that everything outside of substance is non-local, which means that it's in existence only in probabilistic form. And so when I talk about spirituality, what I'm talking about is the dualistic nature of consciousness is that there's the things that are consciousness that are created that are observable 
that are able to have developed relationships with, and then there's the things that are guests subconscious or unconscious, the things that are not manifest. And I look at this as well as a dualistic form is that I have my physical body and I have my energy body or my soul. Those two things come together and produce an emergent phenomena that I call mind. And that my mind is what is really experiencing reality right now. It is this emergent phenomena created by two aspects of dualism coming together. Your spiritual body, your soul, the energy of the universe, the consciousness of the universe, and this physical body that come together. And so when I talk about spirituality, I talk about it on many different levels. I talk about the inner spirit, the inner spirituality that is kind of learning about my higher self, learning about the expansion of that energy within this emergent relationship I have called mind. And then there's another level of spirituality more aligned to kind of what Ye was saying of kind of trying to understand that world that exists beyond or that world that is uncreated. So there's two aspects of that. And there's always going to be this dualistic foundation to it. And it's interesting too, because I've never really explained this before, at least to to the audience of what my definition of this would be is that we live, we exist in two worlds. I believe this. We live in an energetic world and we live in a physical world. And what we experience is neither. We experience a, a coalescing, a convergence of those two worlds. But we've been so entrained within this reality to only take note of the physical, to only recognize the physical, that we miss out on everything else. And I find that spirituality, the practice of spirituality, is redefining and growing and evolving within ourselves to extrapolate that other world that we're missing that is all around us. And that's what I was kind of talking about earlier. I I think I got cut off. I was talking about a pillar of truth or the ladder of ascent. And that the, the only way we rise, or uh, to me, uh, in my opinion, we rise on this ladder of ascent or this pillar of truth is that we use focused curiosity. And that's what this particular conversation, in my opinion, is about, is getting people focused and curious on what else is out there. Can we focus on, with all the craziness and the chaos in this world, is there a way that we can focus on the spiritual aspects, on the mental aspects, on the emotional aspects, and as Laura Lee was talking about, the psychological aspects, because we we get so bombarded and overwhelmed and distracted by all the hoop blonde, la-di-da, and whatever else, bad names you want to call it, right, Nate? You know, we get so focused on those things that we forget about the spiritual side of us, which is actually a greater part than what we experience in the physical. (laughs) All right, so we have five different definitions of what we all believe to be spirituality, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is okay, uh, because... You know, when we're talking about what Laura Lee would cl- call the unseen, the unconscious, is the un- that it is a formed. Yeah, the unformed is that it's subjective. Interpretation is subjective. And the interesting thing is, is that through the millennia, people have come out of that and they've developed um ideas and systems that exist within that unformed and we call those archetypes and and that does play a major role 
in the world today. It plays a major role within the psychology of the world, the psychology of the individual. It plays a major role into your future and your life and your past and everything that's happening to you. Um, but in the sense of kind of what Ye's saying, if I wanted to inspire somebody to understand the future state of what this world could be, is if you do better for yourself, if you grow yourself, if you evolve yourself, if you learn more about yourself, if you resolve those deep ingrained issues, those traumas, all that, all those, all that darkness within you, you'll come out a better person. If you come out a better person and that happens collectively, then we have a very, very bright future for humanity. Exactly. But like a sperm who is attempting to fertilize an egg, if we go back to the concept of impregnation or optimization, two things creating another thing, that sperm has to be the most determined of all the other sperm in order actually, to become actualized <laughs> reality. Hold on, hold on a second. So I actually got an update for that one. <laughs> New scientific paper was just uh, published and released about the sperm and the egg. And they've actually recently found out that the sperm that um, is chosen by the egg is not the one that's most robust or the most aggressive or the one that made it there the fastest. Instead, the egg actually sends out a signal wow. to a specific that's sperm. And the yeah. sperm attracts, attract, the egg attracts that sperm and tells all the other sperm to turn around and stop. What? That's amazing. I'd like, can you send me that, Josh? Yeah, I'll, I'll, try, I'll, I'll find the report and, and yeah. get it out there. You don't have to do it right now, but that, that's okay. incredible. That's kind of even better because then you've got both components working together mm -hmm. be to become the actualized reality. The potential mm -hmm. is there. <laughs> any of them and yet when the two come into resonant agreement then they become actualized reality yes mm -hmm. and that the, it's interesting that you said the the egg sends out a signal yep wow okay what what is what is the signal is it a frequency or is it a, a chemical signal like uh, it, 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 i think it's a, a, a frequency <laughs> yeah I th i'm it's, pretty <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a frequency um, okay. that it that it's sending out. It might because it, it's um, if it was a pheromonic response, if it was chemical, um, it would have to send a, a, an abundance of those chemicals out for all uh -huh. the sperm. Mm -hmm. And so, if it was electromagnetic, which would be the conservation of energy, mm -hmm. um, it could just be one signal that attracts one sperm and, and expels all the others. Uh, but yeah, I just heard of, it was last week that this uh, this article was published. And it was kind of a buzz about it. So Amazing. then the parents do choose the child that they bring forth. The, yeah, well, the egg does. Yeah, the egg chooses the sperm. Yep. Which is profound. It is. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And then it's also profound because I look at some of you and I'm like, what the hell was that egg thinking? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I also, I heard something really interesting that's kind of a takeoff on this. Uh, actually, it was from Alex Jones last night. He was talking about, um, like, why did the pharaohs kill the firstborn? And and so he went on to um, 
say that the firstborn of, of a family transmits the hereditary paternal and maternal instincts stronger than everyone else, than the rest of the children. It's like they're given the transference of the initial instinctual genetic imprint. Mm. Isn't that wild? That is. So who, how, who all is firstborn here? Firstborn? I'm an only child, so... Oh, well, then you're the first. The first and only. And I'm a firstborn, too. So what does that mean for the last? Like, does that mean, like, you're just... Uh... Well, there is a whole psychology profile for who, you know, stands in, at different, you know, places in the, the family. But I think what what's worth sort of reflecting on here is, based on what you just said about the, the egg and the, and the sperm, because... If it's the first try, right? So, so the first one down the chute of a particular union of man and woman. And the idea is, I mean, I don't know if this is true. I just thought it was a really interesting thing to think about. Is it the case that because it is the first one to come out of that union... Does it indeed have or carry something, a more powerful instinctual imprint? So not, it doesn't mean that the rest of the children born after that are any lesser. It, it just, it, it's maybe even it's more of a burden. Um, well, for the what if it was born. evolutionary? What if it was more that the imprint of the genetic code is more structured Towards mm -hmm. the uh, the hereditary lineage, like the, yeah, the strongest point of, of the expressive mm -hmm. DNA in that firstborn, and mm -hmm. then the um, the extrapolation of that comes with all the rest of the kids, where yeah. the DNA has more ability to transform mm -hmm. and express other lesser traits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. But I also wonder: is is it the, that the firstborn um, has an extra I don't want to say burden necessarily but but is maybe carrying something more of the ancestral inheritance that then mm. has to be processed and you know worked through psychologically um, so are there certain talents or g gifts that come along with being a firstborn that help with that uh, carrying that burden or that task hmm. I don't know yeah I mean well, it's just something to think about you, you made me think of uh, something when you were talking about that Josh um, you know we're talking about spirituality spiritual warfare what is our responsibility what is our duty how do we go above and beyond and bring that balance and break that chaos that is in the world if we are able to and it sounds like from the example that you just gave, we are able to. And we need to ask ourselves, what signal are we sending out? What are we looking for in this world? Are we looking for, you know, the physical, you know, Trump remains or Biden remains or somebody else gets in? Are we looking for something much farther above and beyond what is currently available to us? Our, what is our potential? Can we bring about these things that we seek. Hmm. 
Thoughts? Well, I mean, I absolutely believe that we can. And just like we were all kind of getting at before is I think that the individual aspect is the most important. And collectively speaking, I think it really is just a matter of having that knowing that things are going to work out, that things are going to be better for humanity, that things are not always going to stay in the darkness because they just can't. They can't. Like they, it, That's impossible for that to happen because I mean, the darkness and the light come together and you can't have just one constantly ruling over the other, mm -hmm. right? So I really just think that as far as like the physical aspect is concerned, we have to just continue to do what we're doing in a sense of taking care of ourselves the best that we can, right? Being there for other people, being kind to people, planting those seeds within people and using our intuition as far as figuring out what it is that we have the ability to do. Because mm -hmm. let's be honest, there are going to be moments where you really, really feel like you're being called to go do something. Like you're being called to go take action for something. You just feel like there is something you are supposed to be doing, something that you need to do. And it's in those moments where you have to really listen to that intuition and listen to yourself and say, okay, you know what? I'm really swamped. I have got so much going on in my life that I'm, I just feel like there's this one thing that I need to go do. You listen to that. You, you listen for the signs that are around you in your reality that are presenting opportunities to you that are going to give you that ability to go out there and do those things. And that's going to be different for everybody. You know, it is because because it is completely subjective as far as what one person can do compared to another. But I hear what you're saying. But what about quantum entanglement? I mean, if we cannot separate ourselves from chaos, how can we be quantumly entangled with others who don't want that chaos? How can we resonate with others who want to seek whatever path that is that they're on instead of the path that someone that they don't agree with is on? Well, I, I think that that comes about through, through kind of friendships and relationships, um, but kind of expansive in the sense of the collective, it, it happens naturally. It happens through the social zeitgeist, the spiritual zeitgeist that I was talking about. It happens through social media right now. It happens through entertainment, the transition of culture. It happens through all these other aspects of society as it begins to evolve within the individual. Um, so you know, you were talking about resonating with, with chaos. Take a surfer. What's a surfer do? That surfer swims his board into the highest, most dangerous wave that he can find that's ready to crash down into the oceans and produce ripples all throughout the shore and beach. But yet, if he hits it just right, through practice, through determination, through skill, he can ride that wave in the shore and be unfazed the by the ripples that it produces. And he so the wave, yeah. Yeah, you rise above it. You 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 under he, he has mastered himself and his body and his mind to a certain degree to where he can rise above that wave. Where if anybody in, in the wake of that wave would be tumbled, possibly even dead. From that chaos that came about. But him, he was prepared. And so it's about this spiritual, mental, and physical preparation of what is coming. It's about having the skills necessary to take on the challenges of the world that are going to ensue through this chaos.
Okay, then let's break that down from chaos and let's use the word evil. Do you break away from evil? Must evil exist? What is evil? Evil subjective. Yeah, evil subjective. I mean, you know, are, are things that human beings do to other human beings evil? Yeah, but that's moral and ethical foundations in, in a human construct. You know, if so, what we do to what we do to cows and pigs in a slaughterhouse is probably deemed horrifically evil by cows and pigs. <laughs> you know, you know, mass slaughtering baby chickens to make chicken nuggets is pretty freaking evil. Well, right? um, early, you know, when I started out, I was talking about, you know, that we all feel something. We sense something urgent within this moment and that it's related to world governments, medical um, mm-hmm. crazy tyranny, uh, you know, the finances, the social engineering, the cultural chaos, wars, things like that. Okay, so we were trying to separate out all those things from the physical and bring them into the spiritual. We've all def- oh. <laughs> She's got to be the most frustrated person on the planet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Please. Well, I mean, bring in the aspect of evil, in, right? I mean, I think that this is a... I think that morally and ethically, we can all come about within our, our basis of construct to understand what evil is in the world. And that there isn't like a force that is perpetuating this evil, but instead the, it's derived ra- actions and reactions from human beings based upon you know their, their culture, their society, the things that they grew up with in their life, their, their indoctrinations, their falsities. And all these other things that have culminated to them becoming that person that produced these horrors within life. Um, and, and then that evolves out as a society, kind of like the, the metaphorical story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Um, so in, in the sense of evil, and yay, this is an interesting point that I, I've been pose, posing this question recently. And it's not that I have an opinion on it. It's not that I believe this in any way, shape, or form. But if everybody out there just thought for a moment, outside of themselves, outside of their 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 ideological foundations, that what if there was a massive cataclysm coming in five years from now? And this cataclysm will destroy this planet, its infrastructure, and kill off 85% of the people on the planet. Okay? And you were one of the global elite, and you knew about this. Right, and you and you knew about this. Number one, you can't tell the people because there's going to be mass panic and chaos, right? And that will ensue. People will die in 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 fear. But you'd have to make certain preparations. Number one thing that you would want to do is, you know, give people the eliminate as many. and, And I say this logically and rationally from a perspective of an atheist, from a perspective of someone who knows that a pending cataclysm is going to come, is that resource allocation is going to be critical to that situation. Getting as many people who are strong and healthy to survive, the the cream of the crop genetically, is going to be the most pertinent part of all of this. And so what do you do? Through that global elite, do you begin that transition of the world 20 years before and start moving people towards 
these various scenarios that they're going to have to face, like a game of which they're going to have to bring about various different virtues within themselves of integrity, of conviction, of who they're going to be. And then as the game ensues and you get closer and closer, you have, you're going to slowly eliminate the population so you can preserve and conserve resources. You're going to produce an infrastructure as well as a whole bunch of things that are going to allow you to pick up the pieces immediately after and start moving forth. Kind of like solar power and wind, which they can store in the mountains and they don't need any supplementary infrastructure to do this. They don't need to go mine new materials or, or minerals or gas. They don't need to refine it. And so what if that was the potential situation that was coming out? Would you still consider those people evil or perpetuating Agenda 21, Agenda 2030 for land conservation that they're doing or making up the story of global warming to induce fear into a people to make them move towards that goal of human preservation? Uh, well, again, I I would like to get away from the physical. We know all those things. The, those that are looking and listening recognize those things. But if all the various religions and cultures around the world, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, they talk about, uh, I'm just going to use it in a biblical term to keep it short. They talk about a new heavens and a new earth. So if this place, whatever this place is in the physical, is not what will be, then how do we bring that closer to us, that place, that uh, other dimension or that next world or that new creation, whatever all those things are, how do we bring those to us if we don't send out a signal like the egg does to the sperm or... Um, focus our intentions and our desires so that there is um, uh, a matrix of fractals and crystals. Okay, okay, I, I see what you're saying. And let yeah. me maybe be, let me bring back something that I know you already know. 2014, Columbia University, Dr. Martin Blank discovered the reaction, the reactivity of DNA of how DNA was an electromagnetic transducer that it sends and yeah. receives electromagnetic signals. Yes. And how does it do this? When does it do this? Is it's continuously doing this day yeah. in and day out, every second, every moment of your life, which means that there's not a point in your life that you're not sending out a signal to everybody else. There's not a point in existence that human beings don't have this magical ping that occurs between them that isn't communicating information. And so, you talk about the heart light or the heart energy that comes out of us. You know, we talk about these things, but we don't really look at them above and beyond. We don't look at them outside of space and time. We don't look at them. We say we know, we say we understand, but we focus on the world government, on the finances, on the social, on the cultural, on the wars and all these things. So what's the question? The question is spiritual warfare. How do we fight a war if we don't see it in the true spiritual sense that it is? And it's an individual war? Pardon me? It's, we have. We've already. It, it's individual. The, the warfare 
Okay? I mean, there's not going to be demons flying out of the sky with wings coming down and attacking human beings. I mean, this is the demons that are rising up from the darkness with inside of you, the individual. That's where the spiritual warfare is occurring. That is where the battle takes place. It's that self-progression that we as individuals have to work on ourselves. We have to evolve and develop ourselves. We have to become more innate. We have to, as the Latin said, to metnosius or ipsumtenosius. That was hung at the temple of Delphi, of the temple of the Oracle of Delphi, is know thyself. We have to learn and realize, come to that point of self-realization. That is the ultimate battle of spiritual warfare. The spiritual now, warfare that is going on outside of us is disconnecting us from that inner state and connecting us to this external state of reality, that this is real, that, that we need to be in a metaverse because there's something beyond inside of our own imagination, our own mind, our own inner state. That's a spiritual warfare that's progressing right now. So it's all about that individual work that must go on. Now, Laura Lee, you, you do astrology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is it possible to do a world chart or a, um, you know, mm. not just no. for the United States? No, no, no because uh, the the system of astrology. Oh, is she gone now? Yeah. <laughs> Should I just carry on? Yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, well, because the system of astrology is Earth centered, so it, it, you know, there you have to have coordinates somewhere on the earth in order to do to to create gotcha. a horoscope a chart now yeah. the minds that it was like august 11th or something like that and then in the hebrew there it's um it's on rosh hashanah which changes every year uh as the creation of the world could you use any of those dates to um chart Mm, no, or at least I couldn't. I, I, no, I'm not really sure what you're asking. Can, can a chart be done on just a random date? No, I mean, there are, um, I don't know how to call it, historical writings uh -huh. in various cultures that claim creation was on a particular day or a particular time. Mm-hmm. Creation of what? Yeah, creation of what and where? Because the the way astrology is done or structured is there is a place on the Earth, and you need the coordinates, the latitude and longitude, and then you need a time and a date, and that then you cast a chart. But it is for a very specific place on the Earth. Okay. All right, what about you, Nate? What would you say about, you know, the uh, new heavens and a new earth? What is your background in that and your understanding of it? As far as what the Bible says? Well, if that's your perspective, then yeah. Well, there's there's two there's two parts in that in Revelation that it talks about where it takes the um the 144,000 to the new kingdom of heaven, the new Jerusalem where the streets are paved in gold and all the buildings are made of crystal. Um, I don't believe that's on our planet. And I, I have a whole theory about that, but I'm not getting into that right now. No, no way. 
But I, I think that somewhere along the line, that information was given to us on this planet. And we had the technology and the free energy and all that stuff that it talks about in the new heaven. And I think after the rapture, which you're very familiar with, we've talked about this before, but I believe that Josh is right, even though he doesn't believe in the same aspect that I am. I think Josh hovers the target every time he speaks. He just doesn't know it. But I, I believe that there is something biblical coming. And I think we're already balls deep in it, if that's not a swear word. But um, I, I believe that after the big event happens, that there are people that are going to be left here to pick up the pieces and try to put it all back together and start a new kingdom of heaven right here on earth. And we're going to have to do so in peace and harmony. Otherwise, it's going to all happen all over again. Where did Jesus say the kingdom of heaven was? He, Within. Uh, right. So if we create a new kingdom of heaven. It's all within us. But It's you, within you. And then so how does it come out on earth? You have to create it within yourself. Right. Because it's we extrapolate it outwardly. From, with compassion. From an empathy. That's from right. From all the woes that just happened on earth. And then you're going to see the reuniting of people as a whole after all these catastrophes happen. It's, right. it's really the only way you're ever going to get everybody back on the same page is when we all have to help each other out to survive on this planet. 100%. Um, I'm just going to go to this. This is uh, Stuck Patriot on Rumble with a $1 Rumble rant there. Uh, Laura Lee, can you talk a bit about energy types, manifestors, projectors, generators, reflectors, and how they might utilize their gifts in the spiritual war? Uh, I'm not familiar with those terms, manifestors, project. I don't really know what they mean. So okay. can you, could the person define that a little I, bit I think more? what they're saying is... Um, I could speak about psychological who, types. Right. Um, I, I think what they're talking about is people who are susceptible... Um, empathic, right? So mm -hmm. you, you have people that have various different qualities of uh, what I would consider to be subtle energy. So I can we can pick up emotions of other people. We can mm -hmm. project onto other people. Um, mm -hmm. We can generate feelings for other people. Um, we can reflect others' moods and stuff like that. So how can that, if someone has those gifts, mm -hmm. uh, be utilized within the world today to bring about a better well, first of all, if if one is an empath, that that is, in my understanding, an individual who is unusually uh, gifted in their ability to feel in to the emotional states of other people, and and that it's a gift, but. It, it also is a bit of a curse. And, and in fact, with every blessing comes a curse, or we could say the shadow side. But someone who is an empath, first of all, has to know, has to learn that they are an empath and that a lot of the things that they may feel or, or react to, and I would also um, stress the importance of reacting and responding. So the idea is when we become 
conch more conscious of how we just react you know out of instinct mm-hmm. that once there is that awareness that we can respond instead of react so that's very important and if you're an empath and you you have that capacity to feel in to the emotional states of other people then you have to know the difference between what is your feeling and what is somebody else's feelings that you might be resonating with but those other people's feelings don't belong to you mm. and from you know the work that I've done over the years um, it's it's uh, it's a challenge to make that distinction because a lot of times uh, empathic people will get real busy working on emotional complexes that aren't even about them so a lot of energy and stress goes into the question oh why am I feeling so terrible oh my god you know everything was great and all of a sudden now I'm all upset well very often what's happened is that that empathic individual has come into contact with someone who is in some intense kind of emotional state generally it's you know terror rage or grief and and if you happen to have your own little pile of terror rage and grief and you resonate with someone else who's just come into your space you know maybe you walk into a room and there's someone in there who's really angry and maybe you have some repressed anger <laughs> so you're gonna pick up on that anger that doesn't belong to you but it's gonna highlight your own and then that tends to be a situation of working on st- stuff that isn't yours so I think it is important for empaths to know that boundary between what is yours and what is somebody else's and that comes right back to what we were talking about in the beginning of mastering your own inner world your own emotional realm and learning how to respond and not react and also learning how to hold boundaries to be aware that you have a boundary and that it's up to you to protect that boundary and that means you don't allow others to violate that boundary for any reason and from there we can be the strong warriors or teachers or leaders that we may feel individually called to become because everyone has their own um, vocatio, their own deepest calling that manifests in the unique way that is defined by their horoscope. I love that, Laura Lee. That was that was ex- perfectly explained, and, and I just want to throw something in there um, that people that have this uh, extremely special ability. Typically what happens is that if, if you don't master it, if you don't go out there and try to learn about it, you go crazy. You, yeah. you become this bipolar individual and you don't understand why you're going into panic attacks and anxiety. You don't understand mm-hmm. why you're getting angry all the time. Uh, but then for people who want to learn, I'll mm-hmm. tell you one of the best methodologies is communication. It's mm-hmm. going out and asking people, 
Hey, I'm curious. Are you all right? Is everything okay? Well, no, actually, I'm I'm kind of angry today. Like, okay, that that makes a lot more sense because that allows us the ability to of distinction. Mm-hmm. To know that we're close to that individual and we have that level of, co- of communication and we're sensing something, but we don't know if it's something burrowing inside of us, mm-hmm. if it's something mm-hmm. lingering, or if it's something that we're feeling externally. And so mm-hmm. we bring about that ability of distinction through communication. You're absolutely right. And that it, astrologically, that's Mercury. Mercury represents the pl- it's the planet of communication. And what you're describing is the ability to put your inner experience into language. Mm. That's the only way we can explain, you know, communicate to another person what's going on inside of us. This gift of language. And, and the practice of putting inner experience into language, I think, is essential. Um, to our advancement uh, in our current uh, dilemma, and and the it's a skill, and it's a skill that has been deliberately diminished, certainly over the last uh, well hundred years, but you know even more so recently with the um, with the precious the mm-hmm. phone. Because that's its language is now reduced to emojis, and and so people use that rather than use their words to explain a feeling that they might be having, and I think that is by design. If they can, if they, what I call the foe, the forces of evil. If they are hell bent on destroying humanity, then uh, what? What an easy way to just disrupt communications, to make well, it, you know, to diminish and and debase communications and language to a point that it you're just basically grunting at each other. Well, is it, wasn't that the Tower of Babel? Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I want to touch on a few things that you said there too because it, it, it's it's profound for people to understand this. Is that Rudyard Kipling, the the author of the Jungle Book and many other great works, once said that drugs are words are the most powerful drug known to humanity. And mm. I am but a master of words. Right? Wow. It, it, it's so truthful because what you just talked about there, Laura Lee, was the difference between a, a text message and, and communicating someone in person. And I, this is my biggest pet peeve with, with text messages. Anybody yep. who texts me will know exactly what I'm talking about because I always bring this up, is yep. that a text message does not extrapolate intent, emotion. It doesn't extrapolate my inner feeling, how I'm toning it, how I'm, I'm presenting right. it. And so it can be taken massively out of context. Mm-hmm. And when we communicate, you know, this is a, I, I believe that it's an energetic form of communication, l- language. Yes. Right? We are, yeah, we, we are producing compression waves in the air. They mm-hmm. are collapsing by the eardrum. They're vibrating the eardrum, producing electrical signals that go into the brain. But what else is going on is I have attention. I have intent. I have imagination. 
Mm-hmm. I, I have thought attached to, I have emotion attached to that cymatic pattern that is also mm-hmm. being translated at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so this and is why your it's physical so motion, your yes. gestures, the way you are in your body when you speak. Yep. Your facial expression without a mask. Yeah. 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 No wonder they want us all in masks, right? Yeah. Absolutely. In masks, yeah. grunting and using emojis. That would be well, good. I feel like Roxy's always yelling at us when she's texting us because it's always in capital letters. So That's I read right. it like she's screaming at us. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that that is the key to everything here because we kind of did full circle from the original question is how do we bring about the the world that we wish to see that's going to come out of this chaos? And how do we make sure that the foes, the, uh, the, the, the evil doers out there don't win. And that mm-hmm. comes about through communication. It comes about yeah. through extrapolative communication through mm-hmm. understanding that deeper meaning with inside yourself and expressing it and communicating mm-hmm. and to talking with your neighbors, to talking with your friends and talking with your family, doing that work internally and inside yourself and, 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 you know, not being afraid to speak your mind, not being afraid to go out there and say what needs to be said. So then is that one of the weapons that we can use in the spiritual battle? That's, is, what, that's yes. what I was saying. Exactly. Yes. The word or the swords of our time are words. If you take S from the word sword and you put it on the end, you Ooh. have words. Mm. That is our greatest uh, weapon. Yeah, I like that. Um, about to open a whole nother can for me, but I'm not going to go there because we'll be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's true, isn't it? I mean, look at look at what's happened in the so-called education system where you're supposed to be going to learn to read and write. Read, write, and arithmetic. That was sort of the basics. But where where's all the great literature? I, I mean, most of us can't even read Shakespeare because we we just don't even have the vocabulary. We have it's been but lost. You know, we're fed news and information in you know thirty second blocks or very That's short. Right. We don't have language is weaponized anymore. Yeah. Yep. So well, I it, would say that's our our. You want to talk spiritual warfare? As long as we're still living in physical bodies, as long as we're spirits incarnated in physical bodies, we have this amazing, this miraculous thing called language. And I think, Laura, you hit the the nail on the head right there, because part Mm -hmm. of what I was trying to bring out tonight is that we are spirits. We are spiritual beings that have a body. And mm-hmm. we so often focus on the body and what the physical uh, experiences that we're having. And we don't recognize that we do have, a, I believe, we do have a higher self and that we are attached to that still. And that we can go, as you know, Summer was talking about, into meditation and into um, modes of inspiration where we can intuit what is going on? What is our next move? You know, my rabbi always says, we always need to be in the right place at the right time. Oh. That is bad timing. 
<laughs> it absolutely was. But but I could pick up on that, you know, as an astrologer, sure. that the best things happen when the time is right. And right. It, you can scope out the right time for certain things. And that, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that in a, in a sense of predicting and you can only do whatever you want to do on this day or this day. No, that's not it. But instead to understand, say for example you want to accomplish a task or something and you go ahead and do it and and it just doesn't seem to work out. Well, I would say that the time was not right and that whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish will happen when the time is right that there is a right time for all things and, and that and we could we could know that too i agree with that and i don't know if you guys caught the end of that quote but it's no it was just bad timing that, <laughs> that <you thought laughs> right time in the right way it's that signal that you're sending out. It's that frequency. It's that attitude, that understanding that you recognize that not everybody is going to see things the way that you do, hear things the way that you do, understand things the way that you do, communicate the way that you do. And that goes back to what Laura Lee was talking about, too, is that we have lost skills in this age of technology and emojis, etc., and uh, just bad timing. It's all good. Mm. Well, and she's right. There is that language is the one thing that has been hijacked, and you know this is why I think with the whole movement that we're a part of, it was imperative that we took back control of information. Because mm -hmm. the social media platforms, the information is the way that we communicate these days. And that they were changing definitions of words. They're changing definitions yeah. of biological words. They're changing mm -hmm. the, the, the social paradigm of language. Yeah. And once we began to take back information, take back how that information is digested, how that information is, is, is portrayed, we began producing the warfare that we're seeing now now that is creating the divergent chaos that we're seeing going on right now but will ultimately lead to our benefit as long as we keep communicating we keep talking yeah right. and i gotta do a little shout out here to mr nate from nathaniel's barbershop because when i started coming on this platform uh i don't know almost three years ago now he didn't really use his words he had a lot of emotion and he has come so very far in his uh, in his ability to hold the emotion while expressing himself at the same time and i think that we all need to do that you know there there's a saying um are you uh listening or just waiting to talk and i think <laughs> a lot of uh. us that is our problem. We are waiting to throw our little two cents in for whatever purposes those are. But if we recognize ourselves as spiritual beings, not as what we see in the physical, and I think Summer would agree with this, is that if we just look a little deeper 
we will see the essence. And as Josh was saying, you know, that when we know ourselves, we can better understand God. And that can be one of our spiritual weapons as well, is to investigate ourselves, to look at why we feel the way that we do. Why are we thinking the thoughts that we're thinking? How can we improve ourselves? How can we learn to communicate with ourselves in a way that produces inspiration in others. And I think Laura Lee, you agree with that with the King and the queen and all mm -hmm. the various uh, ar archetypes and um, mm -hmm. things that you talk about is that when we recognize that we can fall into. Into a black hole of. <laughs> bring it home. She yeah. was there. She was almost there. Dang. Okay. I was feeling that. Well, Yay will be joining here in just one second. We're gonna we're gonna do a round table and, and finish this up here. I want to just let everybody know that we're gonna be going to Fringe After Dark. That is on the socialredpill.com. That is a Zoom um, that you can join. If you are new to the social red pill, if you join the social red pill tonight, or if you're just new this week or whatever, and you want to join in on the after dark QA or the sorry, the fringe after dark tonight. We'll be continuing a lot of this conversation. Um, all yeah. you have to do is post on the platform on the feed and say, "Hey, I want to join Zoom," and I'll I'll tell you to check your DMs and I'll send you a link. Um, or you know, go ahead and reach out to me, send me a DM. Um, if you are a member, a new subscribing member, go to that group section, go to the featured. So go to your go to your respective groups for your membership. Go to featured, and you will see the Zoom link. If you can't find it, just message me. We'll get you that link out. But we're going to be doing a fringe after dark here in just a few minutes. I want to do a round table and let everybody get their final thoughts out. Um, on this, this actually really brilliant discussion. The timing for this conversation was was great. Um, no pun there intended. Are no there are no coincidences. Uh, the, the the universe wanted, didn't want Ye to finish up on there, but I'm going to let Ye finish up. So let, fighting those battles of mine over this phone. That's right. We need to get Ye a new phone. But let's uh, let's go ahead and do a roundtable. Nathaniel, go ahead and, and start it off on just your thoughts on the conversation. And, and uh, ladies first, please, ladies first. Ladies first. So, so Nathaniel, no, I'm joking. Uh, yay, go ahead and go first. <laughs> I think that this is the beginning of something amazing. I think that we often hide from our uh, spiritual side because we're so focused and distracted by the physical side. And I think that we all need to understand that we are not physical, even though that is our main experience at this point in time, it is not the reality. If you believe in an afterlife, that your soul or spirit or whatever is eternal, that means it's eternal right now. And that's what you need to focus on, no matter what happens in the physical. Amen. Uh, Summer, go ahead. Well, I mean, I think that it's only a matter of time before more people realize where we're heading, what they need to do, what their purpose is, the way that they can further connect, the way that they can communicate better. I mean, we all know that there's changes happening. We all know that people are waking up more and more every single day. You know, you can look at the astrology to see this. You can look at the movement of the, the sun and the cycles to see this. You can look in your environment and the people around you to see this. And I think that the hardest thing about all of it is just maintaining that level of patience and understanding. Mm -hmm. 
because patience is the hardest thing about all of this is that there are going to be people who are never going to wake up. There are going to be people who it's going to take a lot of time for it to happen. And we just have to understand that we have certain gifts and certain talents and certain abilities that we can utilize to help wake people up, to help plant those seeds and to help further our own understanding about ourselves. And when we begin to understand those things and utilize those things, other people are going to see it as well. And I, I just think that, yes, we, we are going to see these changes. We absolutely are, but we have to, again, we just have to be patient and we have to understand the things that we've all been talking about here. Right. Uh, Nathaniel. Let, let Lori go. Okay. Okay. Laura Lee. Okay. Well, maybe I can just pick up on the business of um, language and, and psychological warfare. I would say that the psychological warfare weapon is uh, the most effective one that they have uh, been able to utilize against us. And so, if that's the case, the way to dispel that is language. Hmm. That They could not perpetrate this upon us if we had if we all had sharpened our blade of language and words so in addition to that i would of course because i've studied lord of the rings is uh encourage everyone to watch the lord of the rings it is the myth for our time and it shows us tells us where we are what we're dealing with and what what is ultimately to unfold. In other words, we're doing the battle at the Black Gate right now. This is the biggest this is the biggest event of human history. And so I refer to it as the battle at the Black Gate. And what we know from studying this particular myth and um, the Bible and other powerful stories that come to, from every culture, says the same thing that we will we will meet a challenge that is usually de called or described as evil and i consider evil to be an anti life force so if you take live live spelled backwards is evil hmm. so it is an anti life force and personally i think it it is not human I think that it comes in from the outside somewhere, and I, I got into evil quite deeply in my um, uh, episode on the ring and the nature of evil, for anybody who wants to look into that end of it. But basically the idea is that, that we human beings are made of light, and we are here yeah. as transmitters of light. And... There, there is a force that is not light and not life, anti-life. But the degree to which we are unconscious within ourselves and the degree to which we have not dealt with our own personal shadow, it is through the personal shadow that archetypal evil 
moves in and then takes over that individual so that they become uh, a vehicle for archetypal evil that I'm, I think comes from somewhere else. Well said, Laura Lee. And I'm going to comment after Nate on uh, a little thing that you said there, and I want to blow some people's minds out there. Uh, but Nathaniel, go ahead. Well, first of all, everybody, please come into the after chat tonight. I want to circle back on some stuff we were talking about earlier with about the spirituality and things that we were just this close to touching on. But I want to close with this. I want to just say something out of the, the book that I think a lot of people might hit on. So this is out of Revelation chapter 1, verses 3. It says, Blessed he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and guard those things that, which are written therein, for the time is at hand. So if you guys know anything about your Bible, you know that the time is at hand. And the only way that evil will prevail is if good men and good people do nothing. Decide not to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. right. So we have an obligation to God to lead people to the word and what they do with it is their own. But we can only force or we can't force people to drink. We can only lead them to the water. And so I hope everybody, you know, stays close to God, stays close to the word and helps them in their spiritual direction in whichever way that may take you. So you guys have a great night and hopefully you guys join us on the Red Pill After Chat. It's a blast. You guys That's love. right. So socialredpill.com, guys, socialredpill.com. Uh, I'm going to give my final thoughts here and, and kind of I want to touch on something that Laura Lee said. She said that the word live is simply the reverse of the word evil. Now, in mythology, this is actually anthropomorphized mm -hmm. within the context of the ancient Egyptian mystery of Toth, the deified god of Hermes Trismegistus, Hermes Mercury, um, lifting the veil of Isis. <laughs> and, and let me explain this, because there's a word out there in Christianity today called apocalypse, and it's meant to be, be the lifting of the veil. And this is where we get the word revelation. Revelation derives from this. It's the lifting of the veil. And this is a Coptic Christian word actually going back to the mythology of Isis and Hermes. Now, the deluge had just happened. Humanity was beaten down. A massive evil had just been perpetuated upon mankind. Humanity was coming out of the evil. And Hermes went and became the only man that hath come before Isis and lifted the veil and learned the secrets of the universe, taught them to the four, his four disciples and sent them to the four corners of the earth to restart civilization. It was through the learned word, the learned knowledge that he expressed and taught that humanity survived and progressed. And so the evil happened and then humanity lived. And so we have the reversal of the word. But how did the reversal of the word come about? It came about because of the chaos that ensued in front inside of it, right? So if you take the word live or evil and you mix up the letters in chaos, guess what you get? Fail. You get what? Veil. veil. The lifting of the veil. V-E-I-L -E oh, oh, yeah, is right, the word right. live or evil mixed yeah. in with chaos. Interesting. Which makes Revelation even mm. more interesting. 
So it's only through the chaos can a society, can a civilization actually transcend who it is, what it is, and expand to that next level of what it can become. So that's where I'll leave it. Much love, respect, guys. God bless you all. I hope you all have a great night. Join us on socialredpill.com, socialredpill.com. It is linked up over at redpills.tv. You can find that, all the information over there. And if you join with a subscription, you can join us tonight. If you don't have a subscription, just want to check it out, hit me up or post in the feed. We'll get you that link. Also, please go on over there and visit Laura Lee. And to get to that website, I made it really, really easy. Is you go to redpills.tv slash Laura Lee, L-O-R-A-L-E-E. So it's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash L-O-R-A-L-E-E. And that'll take you over to Laura Lee's website and contact her. Watch her content. It's fascinating. And I just can't wait to have her on again to talk about more of this stuff. She's phenomenal. <laughs> Thanks, Yay. Thank you, Summer. Thank you, Nathaniel. Everybody have a great night. We'll see Thank you guys. Thank you all. Thank you for time. inviting me. This Bye. was great. Thanks. Good night. <laughs>